Welcome to Raider Card Podcast. Today's episode 121, where we feature the racketeer influenced and corruption organization act, which is better known as RICO. Today we are going to look at what in the world is RICO? Is it fair? Is it unjust? Is it an overreach of the government? What in the world is it? Who's ever been charged with RICO? And is it only a person or an organization or a structure? What is it? Who can you charge with this thing called RICO? So, a lot to talk about, and we're not going to waste any time because we've got a lot on the agenda, and we're going to hit the word of the week. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this tree, on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use the ground? But he answered and he said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it is if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. And of course, you can pick up the rest of this story in Luke chapter 13, 6 through 9 on Test Everything 1521, which was on our website, radicopnation.com. 15 minutes or less of the powerful word of God, and we will explain what we just read. Of course, the Word of God always uplifts, fulfills, and saves you, the listener. What's on the agenda for today? Chapter, episode 121, RICO, better known as the Racketeer Influence and Corruption Organization Act. And we will talk about that. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about some things that are occurring. And one of them is that, uh, as you know, uh, Iran has recently attacked certain military installations of uh, the United States. And uh, so our prayers, our heartfelt uh, prayers go out to each of those soldiers, their families. Hopefully, um, the condition is one that we can, can rest assured that nobody got hurt. But we won't know. And uh, these are terrible times, so we have to keep them in prayer. On another note, we have made some changes on our uh, website, of course. Raider Cop Nation, and uh, we uh, always want to point that out, that on uh, the Raider Cop Nation, we have a variety of things that are coming your way, and one of them, of course, is the Raider Cop News that will be coming out this month. There will be about two to three stories, those things that impact law enforcement, and uh, we also have included uh, a new icon for 2020 or a logo better said and uh, we've put some wings on the pirate and we've uh, bestowed the pirate we're also creating a new intro that kind of uh, symbolizes it goes together with the logo which will come out probably next uh, episode uh, or next week we're still working on that and uh, we still have our platforms, uh, five of them, uh, Think Out of the Box, Train Up, Sidebar, Roll Call, and Wise Guys. We have a couple of uh, guest shows this year, too. And if you go to our current and upcoming shows, there you're going to see the projected optimistic list that we have 
for 2020. And it's a long one. It's got a lot of shows on there. Of course, we've left there. There's 52 weeks in a year, but we don't have 52 shows up there. I think we have 42 because we've left some open for current events and some guest shows that we're going to be having. But pretty much that will be our agenda, and you can take a look at it. They do not have dates. They're just listed. And as our co-hosts become available, then we'll go ahead and throw that podcast into the mix. Uh, We're also going to be doing a live streaming, about 15 minutes only, on Raider Cop Nation. Of course, we'll put out the details, and that will be probably later on in the month. And uh, the show is probably going to, uh, I don't, I might air on a Saturday. It might air on a Sunday or a Monday. Not really sure. It is live, but we're going to go ahead and save it and then broadcast it. And we're the optimistic uh, projection is to have our co-hosts come out. And we're going to talk about the show that's coming. So you can get some pretty good previews from our co-host again it's only going to be 15 minutes it's not going to be longer than that and there will be some commentary about the the show that's uh, coming up still putting that together and uh, and that platform and of course like everything methodically we do it and it takes a while so uh, be patient with us the streaming uh, company is Podbeam and uh, we will be streaming from there live 15 no more than 20 minutes and then of course you'll have the uh, one hour show that we do here every week so we're going to I don't want to say two podcasts a week we're more like let's say one and a half and that's what we're doing for 2020 so we got the newsletter coming out once a month we've got the live stream coming out once a week together with the episodes a lot of things on the agenda 2020 and of course as i said before 2021 we're going to start our um video what do you, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the word of a vlog there you go i got a little perplexed there uh we'll be doing our vlog and that's on youtube and with some audio streaming and stuff like that but that's for 2021 we wanted to do it in 2020, weren't really ready, but we will be ready for 2021. Now that park, uh, that vlog, sorry, is uh, going to be same type of format, one week, about 30 minutes, won't be longer than that, and it's going to have, it's going to be a tactical approach show. We're gonna, it's going to be training up, and it's going to be talking about current events, and of course, we're going to be looking at some uh, police streaming videos and freeze frame and kind of talk about them, what went right, what went wrong. Uh, Better said, we're going to be doing some Monday morning quarterbacking, but for a good reason and a good purpose. So that's for 2021. All right, so coming up uh, today, of course, we have episode 121, Rico, up next, January 15th, uh, episode 122 is going to be Hell's Angels. And we're going to be talking about Rico, and they're going to lead into the Hell's Angels as well. So we put them on next. And uh, January 22nd, episode 123, Bail Reform. Ha ha. And uh, we still have uh, 124, 125, which is January 29th, February 5th, is still open. Still working some things out there with our co-host. And uh, February 12th, the episode that's been highly awaited for, and that's The Club Part 2, and episode 126, February 12th. And, uh, of course, I spoke about The Club and the principles of The Club, gosh, for from uh, episode 109, I believe it was, all the way to like 119. And we spoke about it 10 10 minutes or so about each uh, subject of the club. So that February 12th, episode 126, we're going to put that club part two to rest. And we're going to 
kind of close it up nice package for you. So you, for those that had questions and concerns about it. So uh, as we continue to do the uh, scheduling, you can go ahead and go to RaiderCopNation.com and go to the current and upcoming shows section, and there you can see what's up and running. We also have uh, some um, uh, social networking, and uh, we on Snapchat. I can tell you right now, it's not going to last. I've been doing it for two weeks. It's a pain in the rear end. I don't like it. Full of kids and stuff like that. So it might not last. I'm not going to just you know destroy it right away. It'll stay on there. Might post a couple of uh, flyers of what episode's coming up, but not really feeling it, my friend, Snapchat. So we may be putting that to rest. And speaking of putting to rest, 09tg.com, uh, which was our tactical page, will be put to rest in January, as well as our Facebook, 09tg, and our Twitter, 09tg. All put to rest. They will disappear after January. And uh, everything will be located in one specific spot. And that is Raider Cop Nation. So Raider, not Raider Cop Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, on uh, Instagram. We are Raider Cop Podcast, not Nation. And um, we're making it simpler. More information. So the tactical end will end up on... Everything's going to be on Radio Cop Nation. Simple as that. Podcast, news, tactical approach, you name it, it's on there. Easy to to control. So that's some of the happenings there. As you know, uh, I spoke about briefly, the country is almost at war. It leaves me perplexed still to this day how the psycho-socialist Dems can sit around and defend a terrorist, sit around and defend evilness just because their hatred for the president is that much higher. They do a disservice to the hundreds of soldiers and Marines and airmen and Navy personnel that died at the hands of this individual, either directly or indirectly. They do an in-service to those family members that lost these brave warriors. And I'm quite frankly, I'm disgusted by their actions. I believe it to be uh, disgusted cowardly. I believe, I also am a firm believer that it borders on the treason. Listen, we could all differ on political strategy, political outcomes for our country, but when we're facing war, we should close ranks and come together. I believe today, I could say that I feel that the Democratic Party is incapable and unable and unwilling to do so. Why? God only knows why. Your hatred for one person cannot be more than the nation. And it's freaking sad. It really is. You know, when other presidents killed terrorists, I'd never heard the opposition or the Republican Party or anybody else say, well, you know, we're really not going to celebrate because, you know, he killed them. And you know, the guy wasn't that bad anyway. This is just coming from the sick, sinister, socialist, democratic party. The the democratic party was stolen, robbed from them. They don't even know it by a bunch of commies. And these people are warped out of their freaking minds. It's disgusting. It's disgraceful. It's spitting on America. These people want to rewrite history and create another country and... All I could say that there's going to be a lot of Americans standing in their way to allow them to do such a thing. Uh, there's no need for it. There is none. So, you know, put the rest of your hatred and, and become a part of the United States of America. 
the greatest experiment in democracy ever created. All right, um, also on Test Everything 1521, part one will come out uh, today as this episode came out, January 8th, and part one of three on uh, what I just read, and it will continue and continue and continue. And so we encourage you to listen because the theme of that three-part series over there, remember 15 minutes or less each podcast, will definitely deal about the opportunity. This is the era of opportunity that God is giving us. And what does an opportunity mean? Well, it's a great chance to get something. And what God is giving is tremendous. All right, so we got a lot on the agenda, so it's time to get, you know, the circus clowns out and get ready because we are going to start wheeling dealing about the mythical act of criminal justice that the federal government, the United States Department of Justice has created to bamboozle all of us in believing that they are locking up people left and right under this act. And we're going to talk about it today. So, without any further ado, Bozo, let's hit it. Enacted October 15th of 1970 under Title 18, which is the criminal code of the federal government, the Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organization Act was born, or better known as RICO. The purpose or the premise of the act is, is cause of action for a performance as an ongoing criminal organization. So um, a predetermined two or more acts that are created by an individual by a given amount of time. So on a regular crime, I might have to say, well, you did this on this date and time, and I can prove that you were there, and here's the evidence of the crime that was committed. Under RICO, I really don't have to get that technical about date and time. I'm going to look at a series of time frames. So I can go back, let's say, a decade, and I could say, I'm going to investigate you from 2020 to 2010 and this criminal conspiracy that you and other guys have done. And all I have to prove that you and somebody else have done at least two predicate criminal acts and I can charge you with RICO. RICO also implements people on a civil matter as, as well. So the government not only prosecutes you criminally, they also take everything you own, like your house, your car, anything that has uh, was obtained by you through the act of that criminal procedure. Now, to be fair and do my disclaimer, I don't, I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on TV or on this podcast but I have a pretty good handle of how law works. So with that being said, that's my layperson's interpretation of RICO. Now, when RICO was created in 1970, as we say, it was enacted. But by 1972, 33 states jumped on board with their own RICO statutes. Of course, they were similar in nature, resembling Title 18, the criminal code of the federal government. The states would have their state statutes that would be symbolic as the federal code. And um, again, as we said, a person who has committed at least two acts, that's, that's basically what they have to prove 
on racketeering activities. And there's a list of 35, roughly about 35 crimes, 35, 27 crimes on the federal statute side and about maybe eight crimes on the state side that is the the glue that will hold the RICO statutes together. And we've kind of posted what those uh, lists are. Uh, and again, we can go back as far as a 10-year period, and all I have to do is say, okay, let's say you cr- created, I've got uh, good information that you were uh, involved in this racket. You were um, selling junk bonds. And uh, we traced you back to 2010 doing it. And then again, I got you in 2018. And that's it. You're done. You're a Rico man. You're, you're in the poorhouse. Uh, and we're, we're also going to talk about uh, not only what's the purpose of this uh, act and why it was created. We're also going to how it's been used because it's most important here. As everything now, the majority of the people that are charged with RICO basically end up pleading guilty, and the reason for that is the humongous amount of money that they're going to spend on defending themselves on a RICO charge. So it's what you kind of say: Is this a long reach of the law on? nailing a bunch of people. Now, a lot of people identify RICO with organized crime. And now, the creator of this law, and kind of put it together back in the 1970s, he swears up and down how it was not created for just the mafia. His own words were, quote, this law wasn't intended for just people with vowels at the end of their name. You don't think it was racial profiling when he said that, did you? But that uh, could be used for other things. And this uh, gentleman's name is G. Robert Blakely. Anybody with a first name as G? That, yeah, okay. So he puts the law together. It's enacted 1970, 1972, 33 states jump on board. We pretty much have a foundation of about uh, 27 to 35 crimes on a list that we can go back almost a decade. All I need is two predicate acts that you have committed with you and maybe somebody else, and I've got a RICO case. Huge amounts of money. Most people plead out. Why do they plead out? Well, because it goes something like this. Look, we got you. We know you did this. We've um, investigated everything about it, and you're going to end up getting 30, 40 years. But of course, if you cooperate, talk to us, then you might get uh, six months. Might not. But uh, usually the plea sounds so beneficial that people will go ahead and take them. And the first case that they... Now, let, let, let me backtrack again. So 1970, it's enacted, but it sits in, in no man's land, somewhere in the Justice Department, laying in somebody's desk and inside a drawer for nine years or nine and a half years. Nobody wants to use it. Reason being, nobody wanted to be the test guinea pig because they knew that the law is kind of a far reach, the act is, and that people would challenge it. And nobody wanted to be the scrub or the schmuck being on the part of that challenge. So for nine and a half years, this case just kind of wanders. So one of the first cases that they did, of course, they dealt with people with vowels at the end of their name, even though Mr. G. Robert Blakey said it's not for them only. But guess what? First case was there. And that's going to be the United States, September 18th, 1979. So United States versus Soko, Soto, Soko. And uh, it dealt with the um, longshoremen's and the, the, the dock workers, specifically in uh, Brooklyn. And um, 
Anthony Anastasio, Tough Tony, was also a part of that. Both of these individuals were part of the Gambino crime family. And they had controlled the Brooklyn waterfront for since uh, Moses wore shorts and probably from inception of the rackets itself in 1931. They controlled the Union, and uh, through that, these two individuals, which were part of the Gambino family, controlled it for the interest of the Gambino family and the Mafia also because they benefited from it too. Of course, the case uh, did have a conviction, but not as they wanted to. It wasn't a, how can I say this? I threw a little pass at the fifth yard line and he ran 95 yards. That wasn't one of those. So this is more like a punt. And yeah, you got a couple points on the board, but it wasn't that spectacular. Now, they also go into 1979, and now the case really blows up in the government's face. They go after the Hells Angels, and specifically, they charge one of the founding members of the Oakland chapter of the Hells Angels in Ralph Sonny Barger, Jr., which is better known as the unofficial national or international president of the Hells Angels. Together with Sonny Barger, a total of 32 Hells Angels are indicted and um, for association in a 1% motorcycle club, of course. We're going to get into this a lot more in our next episode, but 1% is 1% uh, back in the 40s or whenever it was, the American Motorcycle Association said that uh, 99% of people that ride motorcycles are law-abiding citizens, but that 1% is not, and that's attributed to outlaw motorcycle gangs. I would have to argue, is it still 1%? I mean, is this like a Bill Clinton immigration status number? Like, there's 11 million illegal aliens. If you backtrack and you search Google or YouTube or whatever, and you see how many during Bill Clinton's administration illegals there were, the magic number is 11 million. And you hear the media still saying the same thing. Hello, McFly. So with the Hells Angels case, they, again, they, they went back a decade. So in this case... They go back to all the way to 1971, and they charge them with a, a list of conspiracies, drug, murder, uh, you name it. They stacked it on, and they uh, go back uh, the decade, you know. And here's the problem that they had with the Hells Angels case, though, that the Hells Angels lawyers basically said, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. And he did what? Okay. But where it froze up on the government's faces, the government couldn't prove that the hell's angels did those predicate acts. The individuals did, but not the club. How do you pinpoint the club? So it kind of blew up on their face. Now, they did get some convictions, some pleas, but it, again, this wasn't even a punt. It blew up in their face. They failed to say that the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club was a criminal organization. So they also attempted to take their logos, and that failed. And uh, you, uh, we did it on the, the Mongols uh, episode that we had. They did that too, and... Look, I, I'm all for justice and the American way, but it has to be the right way. You just can't say that everybody in the club is bad, and I'm, we're going to prove that here today. We're going to talk more about that. So the Hells Angels case blows up on their face. They could not prove 
that the entire organization was a part of this grand RICO conspiracy. They are members. This is what their lawyers presented, that they are members in the club that have criminal backgrounds, but not the club. There you go. The mafia couldn't do that because the mafia went around forever and a day denying that the mafia existed. Got it? So the government said, no, you guys are a criminal organization. You call it La Costa Nostra. You have, a, you know, different families. You have an IR. But they, the, the, they were, the, the defendants were basically saying, no, 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 that doesn't exist. What are you talking about? Are you crazy? That's basically what their defense was. It was a freaking disaster on both sides on that one. But the Hells Angels lawyers were a little bit more intelligent. They, they, okay, you got him. All right. He was doing what? Meth claps? Oh, wow. Look at that. Who knew? Okay. But how do you prove that the club was a part of it? And that's how that case kind of blows up on their face. Um, so we go back to the usage. Now, 1970, it's created. 72, the states uh, pile on. Uh, 1970. In nine, they start charging people, and we talked about uh, the one with the Gambinos uh, case of the waterfront and 1979 with the Hells Angels and Sonny Barger and the 32 defendants that were also members of the Hells Angels, and that blows up in their face. So they have to gather their thoughts here on their next move that they're going to do. Uh, they did end up going into 1985, 80, 84, I believe everybody was arrested. 85, the case was heard in the commission case. And we're going to have a, an episode about that coming up. Uh, so I'm not going to really talk much about it. I don't want to blow anything. Probably be in the end of January, uh, the commission case. But in the commission case, they now give it to a young Italian prosecutor that up till then nobody knew how to prosecute this case, not even the prosecutor, which was Rudy Giuliani. What enlightened Rudy Giuliani and the United States Justice Department was one of the mobsters wrote his biography and kind of spelled things out. That's all we'll say with that because we still have the commission case coming up, and I'll talk more about it then. So as we look, this case with the commission in 85, it prosecuted the heads of the mafia. But something happened during that commission case that they tried to copy what the Hells Angels did with their attorneys. And it baffled everybody. Try to do a roundabout, and it failed for the mob. And we'll explain that as we get to the commission case down the road. So don't hold your horse. Don't put the horse in front of the cart. What's the matter with you? All right? So another question you might have is, who has dealt with this law? Who, who are these bad guys that have dealt with this stuff before? Well, a lot of people have been charged with RICO. Of course, today the government wears RICO like they wear a new pair of shorts every day. But it's not really intended, remember, according to the author, for anybody with a vowel at the end of their name. So mafia is just not the reason that this act exists. Supposedly, that's what the government tells us. And we also learned that there are a tremendous amount of organizations that have been charged with RICO too, including Major League Baseball. Now, Major League Baseball was charged with RICO on how they were recruiting players 
Now, I don't really want to get into the specifics of that. We'll be, well, next thing you know, we'll have ESPN here. Uh, you know, we cease to exist. And we'll be talking about uh, jocks and, and uh, sports and stuff like that. But now the government is feeling a little bit more relaxed on how they're going to spread that. Rico case, and they charged the Major League Baseball with this. I believe it was in the year 2003 or 2004. And uh, so they're getting better at it. But again, not necessarily the success rate is because of convictions. It's because of pleas. Pleas because when you reached out to get a attorney to defend you, uh, what did you get charged with? Rico? Oh. Well, standard course is a million dollars. The lawyers and people couldn't afford it. So when the government started saying, you want to do a plea, people were talking about, talk to me, baby, I'm listening. And they wanted to hear some more. But the most shocking part about the RICO, we know that they've charged Major League Baseball, a couple of mafia guys, a couple of motorcycle guys in the Hells Angels. They've used it. Throughout outlaw motorcycle gangs now, they use them very, we talked about the Mongols on another episode that we did a while back. One of our huge numbers, people were downloading that for a long time because the title of the Mongol episode was that the Mongols are defending America. And people say, well, how can you say that? They're a 1% motorcycle club and troublemakers. But they are. Uh, the government not only said that the entire organization was a criminal organization, they also said that their logo were going to be confiscated because they symbolized the criminal enterprise. They did and got away with it. And then, of course, a judge later said, well, wait a minute, you haven't really proved the issue with the logo. A lot of uh, experts on logos and stuff like that lawyers have said that that's going to be a hard one for the government to prove because copyright laws are very strict. And how do you symbolize that specific jacket with a criminal enterprise? In other words, what I'm trying to say is that anybody you see wearing that jacket is a part of the criminal enterprise. No doubt, 100%, you can take that in front of a jury. I don't know about that, my friends. So here's the question. Does the United States government have the full roster of the Mongols MC? That means every chapter that they have, they need to know every single member. Now, we, you know, we, we got, you know, kind of close, but, you know. So if you don't know, how can you say the entire organization is? So, you know, again, a little far-reaching. So RICO is far-reaching. But recently it's been reaching farther and farther into almost the abyss. And it has reached, believe it or not, Law enforcement and law enforcement officials around the nation have been charged with RICO. What in the world are you talking about? I haven't heard any of this. Well, it's happened. Seven uh, Baltimore police officers were charged with racketeering. All this information will be attached to the show notes so I don't have to sit here and read the article and bore you half to death. Also, um, Multiple times, police officers from Puerto Rico were charged with RICO as well. Okay? So, RICO and police all of a sudden are being charged with it. Another case of RICO was with the Los Angeles Sheriff's Agency, or Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, where I believe it was 18 deputies were charged with obstruction and RICO and this and that. And it was a real sticky thing that they um, executing force in the jail and 
kind of complicated, and even the sheriff, Sheriff Baca, Lee Baca, got caught up in all that excitement as well with obstruction because they did, um, they blocked or obstructed the FBI in committing um, certain arrests and part of their investigation. So Los Angeles Sheriff's Department was also charged with RICO. And if you dig it deeper and deeper and deeper, you will see that there are other police agencies as well that have been charged with uh, the issue of RICO. But now here's my take on, on the RICO with law enforcement. If you're bad, you're bad. You know, you can't put lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig. So if if they're bad, they're bad, and they got caught. Okay, I got all that. But here, remember, the Mongols, because certain members were charged with racketeering and they got sentenced, the government now says that everybody in the Mongols is a criminal organization, and as such, their logos and their properties, remember, they're always out there to seize property. Whatever the Mongols own, they want to take, and because it has civil accountability in the RICO Act as well. And that case is still pending in the courts. But remember, that's the standing of the government. Well, when they charged uh, the seven officers in Baltimore PD, they got little logos. They call patches on the side of the when they'd confiscate that one. Oh, because it's not the entire organization. It was just seven people. Yeah, it was. So uh, you, I, I, you can't have it both ways. How do you prove a case beyond the reasonable doubt that everybody in that club? is a part of it, of the criminal enterprise, beyond a reasonable doubt. You can't, folks. You can't. There's Something's missing in that equation. So the government tried first, of course, with the Hells Angels in 1979, but it blew up in their face because the admission that the club existed the lawyers for the Hells Angels never said it didn't. They said, yeah, it does. We have a club, but we also have criminals that are in the club. We don't run people, do background checks to be club members because we're a 1% outlaw motorcycle club. So if people out there doing crime, that has nothing to do with us. Bingo. And they won their case. Now, there were convictions on certain other issues. You know, you get caught with a, a warehouse full of met, and it's kind of hard to say, see, I told you, I didn't do anything wrong. You're, you're going you're gonna to pay the piper on that one. Also charged uh, the police departments with uh, RICO was the Key West Police Department. Article attached to the show notes called them a criminal enterprise. But guess what? Their patches weren't confiscated. And the former uh, former Georgia police chief was also charged with RICO. The government has gone out of their way to levels that you cannot even believe with this RICO statute. They also charged the Catholic Church with RICO, saying that some of the acts with priests and uh, abusive behavior and blah, 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 how the church has covered up evidence. So the church was charged with RICO, but they weren't confiscating any saints. So I still can't get my hand, my head around the issue with the Mongol, Mongols. That's my biggest pet pee here that you can't have the have and have nots in criminal law. So the criminal, the Catholic Church was charged with RICO. Uh, you know, was it 
was it just? I'm not saying it wasn't just. I don't even know the particulars of that case. I just know that they were charged with it. So the government's gotten a lot better when it comes to charging people with RICO. In my background study for this episode, I saw a lot of videotape, and you can see a lot of it on YouTube where mobsters talk about RICO, and there's an immediate surrender. You know, you get hit with a RICO indictment, it's like, bye-bye, you're out of here. And most of those people that were talking on YouTube were saying it was a no-win situation. And by the time they figured out the true extent of the case, they were all ready to plea. I mean, they didn't have to listen too much about what was pending, what was going on. They wanted to plea because it was a, a, a very large amount of time that they were asking. So the pucker effect was in full effect uh, during the indictments. Now, here's a thing that I've, I want to, you know, kick the government just one shot. Um, I am a patriotic person, so don't get me wrong. I just don't stand for injustice. But I'm sure there's a lot of outlaw groups out there that would cheer behind what I'm about to say. A lot of mobsters, former mobsters would probably cheer about what I'm about to say. Probably a lot of Catholic priests might cheer what I say too. Baseball players as well. And some cops. But the the issue here is the government has reached levels with RICO that have really ruined people's lives. But here we see every day for two years we watch the news and we were told how the president of the United States was in a conspiracy with Russia as a fraudulent act to steal the election. For two years, this charade went on. For two years, evidence was created. For two years, lies were going back and forth. For two years, this conspiracy festered into a monster. I wonder that if in the near future, all these government officials that were pulling strings to get this thing through to let America be fooled that the lie was not a lie, but the truth. But America found out that the lie was a lie and is still a lie. Will those people, FBI agents, deputy directors of the FBI, directors of the FBI, directors of national security, directors of CIA, president assistants, national security assistants, the list is long and prosperous. I wonder two things. One, will these government officials suffer a RICO case? And two, will the patch be taken? What patch? I don't know. Maybe the flag. So what's up next? Well, we told you. You've been listening to RICO, episode 121. 122 is up next. And that's going to be January 15th with Hell's Angels. Talk about Ralph Sonny Barger, the beginning of the Hell's Angels, how it was formulated, where it stands today, how big are they, and what's the story with them? Is it good, bad, or ugly? Or is it all three? And we'll discuss that. Of course, uh, we never will keep you wondering where to reach us, you can always reach us at RaiderCopNation.com where there you'll receive more and more information about our podcast. 
newsletter, soon to be YouTube. We are growing and getting bigger, but one thing we're not getting bigger at is that, uh, what's the little thing with the, with the egg, with the yellow thing? Snapchat. We're not, that's, I can't figure it out, folks. It's dead in the water. Uh, you know, I can only put little dog ears on me for so long before I go, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time. I got things to do. So that that's a dead project. We encourage you to keep on listening because without you, we have nothing. Continue to pray for your family. Continue to pray for yourself because you're important. Continue to pray for the agency that serves you. And most, 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 most importantly, Continue to pray for the United States of America. Remember, folks, our brave warriors are downrange facing evil. Keep them in prayer. We'll see you next week. Thank you.